0: This episode of Wheat Pete's Word is brought to you by the new Prozero Pro fungicide from Bayer. Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on Real Agriculture for Wednesday, July the 6th. On this episode of The Word, we have lots of cool stuff to talk about. Harvest 22 is underway We have disease and insect pests like crazy that we have to update you on. Lots of interest in double crop soys. Run through that as well. Hope to get to purple wheat at the end. Let's go. First off, this episode is brought to you from London, England. Yes, I am in the UK visiting grandchildren. It's been absolutely awesome. By the way, in the UK, guess what? Wheat is actually king. Wheat matters. It's so nice to be somewhere where people actually care about wheat. Oh, I, give, I, I will give Ontario growers a lot of credit. Wheat is no longer the uh, afterthought that it used to be. But nonetheless, it's not king there. It is here. That's fun. You know what else is astounding to me? There seems to be almost no bugs. I don't know what the birds eat. Leave the windows open, the doors wide open. In the daytime, the breeze is blowing through, no screens anywhere. And once in a while you might get a big fly buzz in needn't much like it indoors he soon buzzes back out and that's about it i don't understand why that is i mean i'm in london the city of london there's lots of garbage in garbage bins of course but lots of places that would attract house flies and i don't know there's lots of water around that should should breed mosquitoes no nope, not here man there it just seems to be without bugs it's really quite interesting okay I want to move on and say hey Nick thanks so much apparently the phone message did not go up Man, when that happens, somebody needs to reach out and tell me, or if you're like Nick, you know enough to reach out and tell Rhett or tell Jay, and they'll get that fix, fixed. My, uh, my apologies. Really try to have both the phone message and the the podcast up on the web every Wednesday. So if it's not there Wednesday at midnight, let me know. Next, some really good tweets about canola fields up in Grey, Bruce, Where the general public was just stopping in droves and walking out into the canola field and taking pictures because it was this beautiful yellow canola field. I still wonder how many of them thought it was sunflowers because sunflowers, immediately people like that. But maybe when they got into the canola, they would realize it was canola. Maybe they all knew it was canola. I have no idea. But nonetheless, it was a beautiful picture. But they're trespassing and they're damaging crop. And there was a fair hue and cry. The OPP actually saying, if this happens, call us. Nobody called us. Call us. We will get them out of that field on the other side of that. Miracle Max's Sunflower Field is now in bloom. That's near Sarnia. And so for goodness sakes, visit that website. If you want a picture in a sunflower field, please visit there because Miracle Max is a, is a charity. There's a long story there. You can, you can read the re- website, but certainly a shout out to Miracle Max. Go there, take your pictures there. I think that's a really positive thing that, that is happening. Also, Woody tweeting out, Man, there's no such thing as failure, only learning opportunities. But Woody's getting pretty frustrated with how much he is learning again this year. Uh, Woody, we all feel for you. We all have been there. Man, Johnson's Roundup Ready soybean field that had the IP soybean plot in the middle of it. We didn't do a good enough job communicating. Guess what? That soybean field got sprayed with... Uh, glyphosate we had to replant those soybeans dang it just never goes as you might want it to we're all learning all the time woody and we look to you to lead the way so keep doing it and you just gotta step back and say man uh that didn't work out that's life let's move on and figure out how to do it better next year okay and go to move on from there and just say oh my gosh What happened to all our wonderful grain markets? Man, oh man, what goes up must come down. The market's down hard. Holy snap, and just quite incredible. Uh, There may be more marketing opportunities. There may not. There was a, a minor duratio went through kind of the southern part of South Dakota. Remember last year was the first time we ever heard about a duratio. It flattened corn. It got all sorts of green snap. Uh, This year, that ratio was a little bit earlier in the corn growth. I have not heard of much crop damage, but that's all it takes to change things again. If it's marketing, you just got to sell when you think the price is right. But wow, things have really taken a step back. And I know lots of growers who didn't feel confident because they got caught last year marketing crops when the prices weren't as high or in Western Canada, marketing crops when they're They just got super dry. They didn't have that crop to sell. Well, the canola growers actually had a seminar, a webinar on contracts. And I did not know this, but anytime you want to get out of grain contract, you actually can. You as the grower simply need to inform the grain company that has bought that grain in writing that you are terminating that contract Whatever day you terminate, it's the difference in price that you will have to pay to get out of that contract, but they don't need to agree to it. You just need to say, I'm getting out in writing, and cut the check if, if the, the market has gone against you. That, that is new information, and I know a lot of farmers last year thought they were locked in and wanted to get out earlier, just couldn't get out earlier. The prices kept going up. Well, apparently you could have, so that is definitely new news. You can watch that, by the way. Go to the, the Canadian Canola Growers Association website that uh, seminar is up online i believe as as i speak right now all right going to move on and just talk quickly about the weather wow it's so dry in ontario oh my gosh yes yesterday tuesday a nice general rain went through i think almost 90% of the province it didn't quite make it to eastern ontario but the problem is that it only seemed to bring limited amounts for a lot of people five millimeters two tenths of an inch the corn is using eight millimeters per day right now it's in that rapid growth phase so that five millimeters it's a one day rain it helps we'll take it even 18 millimeters i heard some growers lucan got 18 millimeters that's enough for three days for the corn crop that's better but still not enough so you kind of go yep we we need those rain fall events to keep happening there's just no question about that meanwhile we go out to saskatchewan wayne out in his sprayer uh, near turtleford saskatchewan right into a mud hole stuck like right up to the axles and the very next day lana at the southeast uh, research farm six point three inches more rain just all over the bat clark down in the niagara peninsula on july the first pulling into the field for the very first time on those acres to plant soybeans it was too late to plant corn but had not been fit up until july 1st really amazing from that standpoint and by the way talk about crop development this year The corn was knee-high by Father's Day. Most corn is shoulder-high by the 1st of July. We talk, you know, knee-high by the 1st of July. That is just nothing compared to where we're at right now. Harvest is underway. So down in Essex, Ray, Techfire2, at Techfire2 is his Twitter handle. The mid-90s at 14% moisture. That's a pretty solid wheat crop for that part of the world. It often gets too hot through grain fill in in that Essex region. Oh, Ray has had more than that. He's certainly broken 100 before, but it's it's not a dog of a wheat crop. That's really good. Winter canola harvest has started in Essex as well. Both Grace and Kyle, uh, an excellent-looking field of winter canola. No yields there yet. But Austin at Ballymote took off, He is he, he's a very interesting individual. He grows all sorts of different things in very small plots. But doing the math on that, his winter barley, 151 bushels per acre, oh, if you add it a little bit because it's got kind of gaps in between, it would pull it back to 113 bushel winter barley. But given where Austin's growing it, even 113 is just an excellent yield from that standpoint. Okay, I got to move on to the real stuff. So first off, the tar spotter app. You know, tar spotting corn is one of the number one problems we have to manage this year, and we were focused on the tar spotter app, kind of thought, oh, 1st of July, 2nd of July, that's sort of when we should watch, start watching it. Last year, in Albert Tenuta's inoculated trials, it showed up on July the 4th, so Andy tweeting out, "What's going on with tar spotter? A hundred percent of Ontario looks at it, it's, it's at extreme risk for tar spot." I've talked, I have not yet been able to talk to Albert, but there's just something going on there. So take tar spotter with a grain of salt at this point. we got to get that sorted out. It does have to do with relative humidity. So absolutely, you need that high relative humidity. We know that relative humidity inside the corn canopy is higher than it is outside But nonetheless, it needs leaf wetness. And gosh, as Ed says, Ed from up in the Simcoe area saying, we're getting no dew whatsoever. Well, how do you get leaf wetness even at at 80% relative humidity if you don't have wet leaves to begin with? And the answer is you really don't. So take tar spotter with a grain of salt. Definitely scout, there's no question, but we will get that cleared up and try to have that answer on next week's Word. Meanwhile, soybean aphids. Yes, we have soybean aphids already. Mark at Drayton tweeting out a picture the last couple of days of June with the soybean aphid population just horrendous on vegetative stage soybeans and lots of good discussion around that. Jason, by the way, Jason in Manitoba also finding soybean aphids. You need to get out there and scout. Remember, what's the best thing to stop soybean aphids? it is high humidity and frequent rains so that the fusarium fungus that we all worry about oh it's a different fusarium but it's a similar fusarium all worry about in the corn crop in the wheat crop that that causes toxins well there's a fusarium fungus that attacks the soybean aphids and that's what will just decimate their population as quickly as as anything The ladybugs are good. The surfeit fly larvae are good. There's lots of other natural enemies, but it's really that fungal disease that just can crash that population. Well, we haven't had that humidity, although it did come in muggy after the bit of rainstorm yesterday, so maybe we can get that fired up. However, at the end of the day, Tracy's quite clear that there is no point in controlling soybean aphids in the V stages until they start to flower, get into the reproductive, the R stages, no yield benefit whatsoever. And you look at the population that Mark had on his soybeans and you go, how can that be? Like that just doesn't even seem to be reasonable. But then I think about winter wheat. And in winter wheat, it does not matter how many volunteer canola plants come up in the fall with the winter wheat. If it's spring canola, it can be thick as hair on a dog's back. It dies over the winter as long as it actually does die. The yield impact is essentially zero. It's simply not setting yield in the fall. The same thing must hold true with soybean aphids in those V stages, However, we always do worry if we're spraying at at R1 because now we're into the R stages and we are starting to lose a bit of yield and we take out all those soybean aphids, 250 per plant and increasing populations is the threshold. So we're saying, wow, we're going to take them out at R1. Well, now we get into rebound concerns because many products also kill all those natural enemies like the ladybugs and the surfeit fly larva. Safina is the one product that does not kill the natural enemies of the soybean aphid. It's a more expensive product, but man, if you are spraying early, I really think it makes sense. If we're spraying later, when the soybean aphids are likely to crash later anyway, we get into late July or early August, then I think the chances of rebound really drop off. So if you do hit that threshold you need to spray, I think you need to con- consider Safina when you're spraying early. All right, while we're on soybeans, let's talk white mold. And Rick tweeting out just a, such a beautiful picture. June 30th on at Melbourne on a sand field, and it looks like his soybeans have never looked back. They were at R1.5 on the 30th of June. That is amazing. I know a lot of other tweets coming out, and a lot of growers saying, Man, the soybeans are just slow. And lots of soybeans hadn't yet started to flower. Rick's already R1.5. Don't forget, when you're staging the field, you need at least 50 and probably 75% of the plants to be at that stage. So to have one flower to get to R1, to have one flower at the top two nodes to get to R2, you need a you know most of the plants there, not just one plant. But if you're out there, you're wondering about white mold, Use Sporecaster. We have used Sporecaster, again, an app. It works really well. If you're in a white mold prone area or field, you're really worried about that particular field, growthy, things are going really well, like Rick's soybeans just flying, then you might need to consider two applications. The first application would be at R1.5. The second application, seven to 10 days after that. If you're not in a high white mold risk scenario then you may well back up and say we we may only need one application we may need no applications as well but if you're looking at only one application then generally speaking r2.5 is when we would target that sporecaster we've used it before it's a great app for white mold and soybeans Please be really careful using it for white mold and edible beans because edible beans are just so much more susceptible. you got to take it with a grain of salt. Gary sending me a picture, texting me a picture of aphids in his alfalfa. And I'm going, well, yeah, so it's aphids, no big deal. They don't really carry disease that we're aware of in alfalfa. We rarely spray for them. And Deb, Deb Campbell, agronomy advantage, then tweeting out a picture of her sweep net And it's just loaded with aphids coming out of that alfalfa. We rarely spray for aphids in alfalfa. But if your alfalfa is really just not doing well, and you're out there and you can't figure it out, well, have a look for aphids. Don't forget... Particularly new seeding alfalfa, now is the time you need to be scouting for leaf hoppers. Just after you take that first cutoff, that new growth, that's when leaf hoppers are most damaging. There are some out there. The other thing that Deb was finding is potassium deficiency, so that might be another issue. Potassium deficiency often happens in concert with dry weather because the roots simply can't grow to get the potassium, plus, The potassium tends to be in the surface part of the soil at the highest levels, and there's no water there. So even if the plants could grow roots there, we need water to make that potassium available. So certainly are seeing some potassium deficiency, not only in in alfalfa, but also in corn and soybeans. And in many cases, it is drought-induced. Okay, quickly, double-crop soybeans. I need to finish up on this. If you're going to grow double-crop soybeans, Dr. Dave Hooker, Ridgetown Campus, University of Guelph tweeted out some data from 2021. Oh my gosh! He got 65 bushel per acre planted the 22nd of July at Ridgetown. Do not count on that. We have harvested way more double crop soybean pl- uh, crops, less than 10 bushels per acre, particularly if you have no moisture. If you don't get moisture, double crop soybeans will fail. So pay attention to how much rainfall you've got, how much soil moisture you have. The one thing though that in Dave's tweet that's just really critical, crank that population. In Dave's data, he got a three bushel per acre yield increase to go from 240,000 seeds per acre to 300,000 seeds per acre. He got another 1.5 bushel per acre to go to from 300 to 360,000 per acre. Man, you just got to crank that population when you go into double crop soybeans. Keith, growing some double-crop soybeans out in eastern Ontario. They looked awesome. Get this, he put them in after alfalfa Timothy hay because in eastern Ontario, the hay market is flooded. Meanwhile, you go to Elgin County, they've got no hay. They're planting triticalean peas or did plant triticalean peas because their alfalfa simply died. With that, I am out of time. That's, that's, That's all on behalf of the team here at Real Agriculture. This is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, July the 6th. Keep the questions coming. I'll keep yakking. Talk to you next week. Perzero Pro Fungicide sets the standard as the first foliar fungicide registered in Canada to deliver ergot, fusarium head blight, and leaf disease protection in your wheat, barley, oats, and triticale. It provides exceptional protection in high disease situations thanks to multi-modes of action from three powerful ingredients. Maximize your ROI this season with an application of new Prezero Pro from Bayer.